You're listening to Building the Broncos with Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler, Broncos country's leading draft and scouting analysts. Get on over to milehighhuddle.com to sound off on all things Broncos. Hello there, Broncos country, and it is once again time for another episode of Building the Broncos. I am your host, Carl Dummler, and with me as always, I have my co-host and good friend, Mr. Nick Kendall. Nick, how are you doing, buddy? Hey, doing pretty well. Just finished Stranger Things this past week. Have you started that show? Have you watched that show? Or are you? Not? I have. I'm I'm a big Stranger Things fan. Finished season three. Uh, just, uh, I guess I shouldn't give any spoilers. <laughs> I'll give one spoiler away because I've had it stuck in my head forever. The 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 never ending story song. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, that's a little bit before my time, but that literally has been been walking to work, finding myself humming it in the bathroom, <laughs> you know, at the John with patients around me, you know, humming that song, and like I, I'm losing my mind. I don't know how you guys do. That's probably why people from the '80s are all messed up, man. That never-ending story just never ended in their head. It's yep. still going. I just I can't I can't get out of my head over that, and over again. Movie, I mean, they killed it too. That that movie. Oh my goodness, never-ending. I I'm not a big fan of it. Oh, like the horse dying. Just really made me mad. Spoilers? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right, if you haven't seen that one, that yeah, is no. not my fault. But uh, <laughs> no, fair. I mean it. Just I don't know. There was something in that one, and then the flying dog creature, just the the scales on it, just really like it was like nails on a chalkboard for me. So it was always kind of kind of a weird one. But uh, no, the the song. You're right. That is one that just sticks with you and just stay. Uh, it it never leaves. I mean that's why it's the never ending song. And so, yeah, good luck to anybody that, that hasn't watched Stranger Things to not have that stuck in your head because I'm, I'm with you. That definitely gets stuck in there. But I love the season. I love that they're having another season coming up. I, I, from what I understand, they're either going to do four or five seasons. Okay. Well, we will uh, we'll see where it goes. I got to ask, you know, in the realms of television shows, there's one that's a little bit more cult classic. There's only two. The second season just came out. But have you heard or seen Dark? I have not. I, okay. I saw you talking about it the other day. Yes. And I thought, man, I need to watch this. Yes. It's uh, it's not as – doesn't have that 80s nostalgia feel that the Stranger Things has going for it, which, I mean, that's that's a fun part of the show. But it is a – I mean, like it says, it is dark. It's not as scary as it is more suspenseful. And uh, the big kicker, though, is that it's a German. So you have to actually read the subtitles oh, unless man. you speak German. I know you're a dumbler, so maybe you know it, but it's a, uh, it's really good. And the second season is getting, I haven't started the second season yet. It's between that or Chernobyl, which I'll watch next. I haven't started Chernobyl yet, but a lot uh, of people speak really highly about dark and I really enjoyed the first season and I'm excited to see the second one. Okay. I, I love Chernobyl. Okay. I've been watching that one. I haven't finished the, the first season yet, but man, I've loved that one. Yeah. That's one of my best men is like, he messages me every day if I've seen it yet. <laughs> so the big annoyance is that the Natalie and I have two TVs in our apartment and one of the TVs is, uh, <laughs> doesn't have HBO on it anymore. Like it, they kicked it off, whatever the, the Samsung something, I don't know, stupid, but we can only watch HBO now in the living room. So that definitely changes our, our ability to stream things and binge things because, you know, let's say it's 9 PM at night. I don't really want to be sitting up on the couch anymore. I'm tired. I'm old. Right. I'm done. Like <laughs> I've coffee has fleeted my body at this point. I need to go to bed. So that's been a big, that's been a big kicker for us watching Chernobyl. Also John Oliver, it's really cut into our John Oliver watching, which saddens me because he's really funny. But oh, uh, yeah, I know we'll have to, I think we're asking for a fire stick 
on the uh, wedding registry. So hopefully we'll fix that soon. So okay. we can be back on our, back on our HBO life. Like the other night, we're like, Oh, let's watch something funny and kind of new that we haven't watched yet. Oh, Barry crap. We can't watch it that in the bedroom HBO. So curse you Samsung slash HBO for not having the app on the TV anymore. <laughs> but uh, really talking about some first world problems here. <laughs> yep. I understand. <laughs> we, better, we better get it back to football yep. though before everybody, nobody with HBO is listening anymore. I canceled that after game of Thrones was done, right? That's half the population. <laughs> I know they lost a lot of money once that that show got done. But, oh, Big uh, Little Lies is also amazing. Okay, I've not seen that one. I've not okay. seen that one. Really good. So continue. But but yes, getting back <laughs> to football, we're gonna let you know, especially with training camp right around the corner here, that uh, you can find us on Twitter. You can find me at Carl Dumbler MHH, and of course Nick at Nick Kendall MHH, and you can follow the podcast Twitter account at BTB Football Pod, and make your make sure you subscribe to our show and leave us a rating as we value your input. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and even that of YouTube. Also, make sure you head on over to Mile High Huddle, an affiliate of 24-7 Sports and the CBS Sports Digital, to find ours and our co-writers' articles and all things pertaining to your Denver Broncos. And if you enjoy our show, make sure you head on over and leave us a five-star rating on iTunes, where Building the Broncos, along with Huddle Up, are found under the Huddle Up podcast. This podcast is powered by Overtime Media. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, today we are going to be breaking down. PFF just came out with their their offensive line rankings. And Nick, you and I have talked about this already quite a bit when this came out. We were a little shocked. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I know they, they got some, they got Juwan James during the offseason. They got Dalton Reisner as well. But beyond that, I mean, to, to have them at 12th in the NFL, that's a, that's a pretty darn good offensive line is what PFF is expecting this year. And, and so we kind of thought it'd be a great time to, to talk about that and just why we think that that could either be overrated, underrated, all those kind of things and just our, our thoughts. But like I said, I, I think just with what they've shown on the field the last few years, 
12th is a very kind ranking for the Broncos this year. Yeah, I would say more. I was expecting more middle of the pack, but you know, that's uh, I guess that's more of an indictment on the, the rest of the offensive lines in the NFL, right? Like that's something I've been saying on here for years. People have been indicting the Broncos offensive line is, you know, absolutely trash. And I've been saying, you know, they're not great. Don't get me wrong. They've been below average, especially the, the 2016 season. That was a really not a good offensive line, but, uh, I think that the rest of the offensive lines in the NFL are also lacking a lot. So it's kind of a grading on the curve, if you will. You know, right. like you might have gotten a C on the test, but so did a lot of your classmates. So we're going to bump you up to a B. And I think that's where you get the Broncos at 12th overall. But we'll see. I guess we should. Uh, they have the projected Broncos starting lineup here. I'll read that to you, although it is wrong. I will point that out. They have Garrett Bowles at left tackle, which is probably correct. Obviously, injuries. We'll see what happens in training camp. But they have Ronald Leary at left guard. It'll actually be Dalton Reisner, uh, apparently, as from what we've been been told. Connor McGovern at center. Dalton Reisner at right guard. We know that'll be Ronald Leary. And Jawan James at right tackle. So it should look like Garrett Bowles, Dalton Reisner, Connor McGovern, Ronald Leary, and then Jawan James. And then this is what they have to say about it. Chock full of potential. Denver's front five needs to answer a lot of questions to stay within reach of the top 10 on this list. Veteran guard Ron Leary limped to a sub-65 overall grade before finishing the season on the injured reserve with the torn Achilles. Third-year interior offensive lineman Connor McGovern thrived at guard early in the year in 2018. Sidebar, except against Leonard Williams, who absolutely destroyed him in that Jets game. Um, but looked like a fish out of water when kicked to center to replace an injured Matt Paradis in Week 9. He earned a dismal 38.7 pass-blocking grade on the year and will need to improve significantly in that regard to keep his starting spot at center. Signing veteran Juwan James this offseason to play right tackle was a strong move. The former Miami Dolphin has been good, not great for a while now, and the level of consistency is coveted in today's NFL, which that's a big point. Uh, former first-rounder Garrett Bowles, on the other hand, took a step back in year two of his career and very much needs to flip the script on his career to get back on track to the team starting left tackle. I disagree with that. Uh, the most intriguing prospect along with the Broncos offensive line, along the Broncos offensive line, and likely one of the highest ceiling is former Kansas State offensive lineman Dalton Reisner, brought in as a second round pick in this year's draft. Reisner is expected to start at guard for Denver, a position change that should play out well for the former Wildcats road grader. Reisner earned an 87 plus overall grade in all four years. He started at Kansas State and pushed above 90 overall in the past blocking this past year. So yeah, there you have it. The Broncos written up there as far as their offensive line earning a 12th overall grade uh the teams behind them i guess so 15 on you got 15 is the lions 14 the redskins which shocks me when you got two great talents in trent williams and brandon scherf the los angeles rams at 13 who are gonna have to do a little bit of turnover this year on the interior there baltimore ravens are at 11 the panthers are at 10 the bears are at nine packers at eight with david bakatieri who we sung his praises in the last episode the saints at seven who I think have a really good offensive line. Uh, the Patriots at six, the Colts at five, the Titans at four, the Steelers at three, despite losing Munchak, which they didn't mention here. They didn't mention the Broncos one also, which surprises me. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys at two and the Philadelphia Eagles at one. So overall, I mean, obviously these guys could move around a little bit, but they project the Broncos to be middle of the pack to bordering on top 10. So not great. If, you, if they were great, you'd see them, you know, six or above. But they think that the Broncos have a chance to be pretty good along the offensive line this year. So I guess I'll kick it off to you. What are your reactions to what they've been saying here? Well, I mean, it, they hit it on the nail on the head there with that those first four words. Chalk full of potential. Yeah. And, I mean, Dalton Reisner, one of the most 
consistent players in all of college football. This pretty much his entire time in college. And then Juwan James, he's been a pretty consistent player when he's healthy. And Ronald Leary, when he's healthy, has been been okay. And so it really comes down to can Garrett Bowles take that next step? Because athletically speaking, one of the most athletic left tackles in all of football. And and Connor McGovern, you you've said it on the show quite a few times. You thought maybe his more natural position would actually be center compared Not to Not after guard. seeing snapping the ball. <laughs> well, okay. And and that's that's gonna be a question mark because yeah. I do know OTA's minicamp snapping the ball has been a huge problem for him. And so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out because if, if you can't trust him to snap the ball, I don't think you can trust him to start. Yeah. Because that, that's a huge game turner. And, and really it, it affects everything where the quarterback's not knowing, the, is the ball going to come right at me? Is it not? I mean, you just need to have that, that confidence that that guy's going to do his job correctly, at least the first part of it. And, and so all these guys combined together, if they all play at the highest level, this is a top 10 offensive line. But the, the idea that all five guys are all of a going to take that that big leap, it, it's hard to see that. It, it's really, I mean, and, and I've heard so far, at least in OTA's minicamp, I mean, and they don't have pads on. They're not doing everything that they can do, but they've been getting destroyed. Now, given Leary hasn't really played that many snaps yet, and Juwan James has missed some time because of a little tweak, injury that he had that he should be back fine no problem so i mean there, there's some of that but my, my first reaction is i i just don't agree i mean as much as i want to agree because i hope that they have the 12th ranked offensive line that there's just some of these others that uh, like you said washington redskins at 14 i i think i mean trent williams one of the best left tackles in football brandon scherf one of the best right guards in football morgan moses i think he's very underrated so, I mean, that, that's three players right there that I think all are better than any player the Broncos have on the offensive line. Morgan Moses, maybe could, you could argue that that Juwan James is better than him. But so and then I think the the Lions, I actually kind of like their offensive line. They, they're pretty they're pretty well balanced from left tackle to right tackle. You, you look at those guys and I think that they can all be pretty darn good starters for them. And and so. It's just a matter of, again, the, the potential's there. It's just hard to see that they are going to reach it because, I mean, what we've seen the last few years has just been pretty bad. I mean, I mean that's being kind. I was about to say pretty trashy, but <laughs> it just it is. It's not been, been good for the Broncos, and you can blame some of that on the quarterbacks. You can blame it on the play caller some too. And so maybe having a better play caller, better coaching staff, and and especially a better offensive line coach, maybe we can actually have an offensive line that lives up to the potential that we see on paper. Yeah, my biggest my biggest thing is the injury history. But I said it last year too. I mean, Paradis had injury history. Ronald Leary had injury history. Jared Vildier had an injury history. And lo and behold, after a few of those guys got injured, the offensive line plummeted. Thank God for Billy Turner. I'll say that you know he was huge for the Broncos having some stability in that offensive line last year and. Dude, that's a big reason I wanted them to retain him. Granted, you know, he got paid really big and good for him. If, if he, whether he's a six man on the offensive line or he's a starter, he's, he earned it. But the, I have questions with the injuries here. I mean, it's not as much with parity has gone now, but with Leary and James on the right side, 
the Broncos depth on the offensive line is going to be tested. I have zero doubt about that. And looking at, they don't, they don't list the depth here. That's something that PFF should probably actually look into because you're going to need probably seven offensive linemen in a season to get through because injuries are going to happen there. I mean, it's just, it's just going to happen. And they just have the Broncos started listed, but it's really, for me, it comes down to the depth is the reason I question it the most because I do not trust the guys behind these starting five. I have a hard enough time starting uh, trusting the, these five alone. Granted, 12th overall, you can get by with that. But after that, I mean, Elijah Wilkinson, Don Barclay, Barclay Sam Jones, Chaz Green. I, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't. If they have to dive into those guys, let's say, God forbid, Garrett Bowles goes down early. And he's not even the most important one there. But let's say Garrett Bowles goes down. Then you're playing Wilkinson there. And then you get another dinger on the inside. And you're playing Sam Jones. I mean, the offensive line can get really ugly in a hurry. So that's my biggest concern. I do want to point out also, I'm, I'm very confused about pro football focuses grading as far as it pertains to Garrett Bowles, because they said he took a step back in year two. And while he was up and down this season, I thought from that Houston game onwards until like maybe the last two weeks, he had his best stress of stretch of football. So I'm really not, I'm not sure where they're going, where they're getting at there because I thought Garrett Bowles played pretty well, all things considered, despite having a, a pretty disappointing offensive system as a whole. Right. And, and I mean, his rookie year, he just looked lost the entire year. Yeah. There's like a two game stretch where you're like, Oh man, maybe he's pulling it together. And then Nope. <laughs> he just, it, it, it was not good by any means. And so, yeah, last year I thought he actually had a, a pretty good stretch, like you said. And so I, I don't know. I, I do find it interesting that, it seems like they had the most right about the Broncos offensive line than any other offensive line when they're, they're looking at this. And I think part of that is just because we just don't really know what they are. It, it's you can sit there and say, you look at the, well, Ronald Leary limped into the season, didn't play that great, but yet he could be okay. Juan James. I mean, they just had to talk about every single player because I think it's, it's one of those, you can see him going every each way. Yeah. Ah, man, I just I wish there was one more good offensive lineman. And maybe they'll pick one up in when there's the veteran cuts and whatnot, but like Don Barclay and Chaz Green, don't trust them. Wilkinson played okay last year, but I mean there was an obvious drop off after Paradise went down and they did the reshuffling. And then I don't know what to make of Sam Jones yet. You know, there was some talk about him uh, towards the end of last season where they're, you know, excited about him but haven't really heard much as far as mini camps and everything go. So I, I don't know what to expect from him. So I think this is, can be a really good offensive unit, offensive line unit, but depending on these guys all to be healthy is really concerning. And then, I mean, centers are replaceable, but if your center is not snapping the ball great, then it could really mess up the offense. Duh. Right. Like Peyton Manning first snap of the Super Bowl could tell you that that's something that wasn't, that wasn't totally <laughs> the center's fault, but you know, it's, that concerns me greatly. Do you think there's a chance that you could see some shuffling here with maybe Reisner moving to center? I mean, that, that's what he played his first year in college. So yeah. it really shouldn't shock anybody if that's the case. Because like I said, I mean, the the snap has to be right. Everything, yeah. if you can't get the snap right, you're done. You're, you're done, yeah. The, the play's over. Very rarely does the play work out when the snap goes bad. Yeah. And and so if we need to have a guy that's that's moved in there to trust, then it really shouldn't shock anybody that Dalton Reiser moves there. And and really, Connor McGovern said it in this article when he played guard, he played at least 
decent enough to be a starter. So it really wouldn't be that shock. Now I do worry a little bit about the idea of he played right guard last year. Are you going to be moving Ronald Leary back to left guard and then Connor McGovern to right guard because that's where he's most comfortable? Or are you going to go ahead and keep Ronald Leary at right guard? Because he said, I didn't like playing left guard last year. I didn't like that. They moved me over there. I, I really, and he was excited about the idea that he's going to be moving back to right guard. So do you think that he's excited about moving to right guard beyond the position? Is it potentially the guy he's playing next to? Well, that's got to play into it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, you, I was get tired it, being, <laughs> you get tired of being next to a guy that you think is completely lost and could really make you look stupid because they make a mistake. I mean, that, that's part to try of, to make up for him. Right. Exactly. I mean, that's part of the, the offensive line understanding that a lot of us miss. We don't always know what everyone had in their assignment and it might make one guy look stupid when he really wasn't the one that made the mistake. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I'm sure having the veteran Juwan James next to him makes him feel a lot better. And, and I think that could be what hurts a little bit of Reisner this year playing next to Garrett Bowles. Yeah. So I, I don't know. And that, that could be also where they try to find somebody that they can trade for somebody that they're looking for in a cut. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that they're going to be, be looking for something. I mean, especially depth, like you said, they got to find something. Um, yeah. It just, I don't know. One guy that I think I, I've been hearing could be on the chopping block is Joshua Garnett of the, the 49ers. Yeah. So, I mean, I think he would be a pretty good fit coming over here, working with the Broncos and what they have. At least the, the coaching staff would know what he's he brings to the table. Yeah. He's one, though, that I wonder if he's better in a more power-based game. And that could... Head. Yeah. Yeah, that, that could be the case. I mean, if, if they're cutting them in the 49ers and then we're running the same system here, maybe that's not the, the greatest fit. But a lot of teams, I mean, if you have even an average offensive lineman you're doing everything possible to keep him it's hard to to find a guy after cuts unless he's really up in age and and really in, inflated contract that's about the only way you can get a guy that is a halfway decent at least depth guy yeah that's true and i guess the final guy we should talk about here is uh bulls and I, the paint the point i really wanted to make here was jeff schwartz was tweeting earlier today about Laramie Tunsil, and he's talking about how good Laramie Tunsil is, but he had a tweet, a second tweet on this clip, and he talked about, you know, the biggest thing with offensive linemen and being elite is consistency. So consistency is the key to being elite, as he says. We all know that, but it takes work to reach that level and being consistent. And, you know, from David Bakatiari and his past sets, Ryan Clady, Joe Thomas, you know, you can have those flashes as an offensive lineman, but the ones that are great are the ones that do it, do good, <laughs> Every single time, you know, they don't have the high the roller coaster of level of play and they don't snowball out of control that we've seen with Garrett Bowles. I mean, we've seen the peaks, we've seen run blocking, we've seen the smoothness, but things tend to snowball on him. And until he can become more consistent, both mentally and physically with his technique, he's going to be a guy that leaves many wanting. I mean, an offensive lineman, you could, let's say how many, let's say 50 snaps in a game. You could do the, be the best offensive lineman in football for 48 snaps to 48 of those snaps. But if you fail on two of those snaps and cost your team the game, everyone's going to remember those two snaps. That's just the nature of the position. So got to become more consistent. And, you know, this is a make or break year for me. We talked about it. I talked about it on the draft podcast I did a little bit ago, a few weeks ago. And I've done it about it a lot this offseason. But Garrett Bowles, a lot of tools. I think I'm excited to see him in the zone offense, the third year, Mike Munchak, everything like that. But 
got to become consistent. And until then, he's got to be looked at as a semi-bust at 20th overall, right? Like, that's there's obviously worse bust. I'd say he's been more valuable than Shane Ray has been. But <laughs> still, like, that's it's not great. Right. And, and it's hard. I mean, when you're hearing that he has some work ethic issues and some coaching issues, and I don't know if you followed too much of some of the the training and everything that's been going on this off season, but I've seen a lot of the Bronco players train together and I haven't seen Garrett Bowles in that group. Mm, I've not seen that. And uh, I do know he has trained some with Reisner. I do the, know that, but beyond that, I haven't seen too much. And so it just, it makes you kind of go, how much does this guy really want it? If this is his real last chance to really show something with the Broncos and you're not seeing I, I don't know. I mean, we don't always see all the behind the scenes stuff. There, there's players that use social media like crazy and others that have nothing to do with it. So he could be doing tons of work and I don't know about it. And and I guess we're, we're fixing to find out as they always say here with, yeah. with training camp coming up and, and then finally putting some pads on. And, and I mean, he's going to have some great tests going against Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. So we're going to know pretty quick whether he's made a, a nice jump in, in his playability or if he's, just that next bust. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right. Well, we should probably take a break here. We wanted to keep this episode under 30 minutes or about 30 minutes. And I'm guessing we're already almost there. So got to fit in a break here. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, and we are back on the Building the Broncos podcast, and we're going to stick on the offensive line here today. Pro Football Focus had them ranked as the 12th best offensive line heading into the season, and I, we're going to break that down even a little bit more. more. I'm going to kick this off to you, to Carl. Why will the Broncos offensive line meet or even exceed these expectations this upcoming year? Well, the, the easy answer is Mike Munchak. I mean – the, the idea of him giving a nice bump to the offensive line, one of the best offensive line coaches. I mean, really, it it's an argument of whether he's first or second. I mean, I don't think you drop him much further than second, right? Probably not. And and so just having that kind of coach in the building makes makes a huge difference. And I was listening to, to something earlier today of his time with the Steelers. And right off the bat, just coming to the Steelers. Now, this is an offense that that definitely had better talent than what the Broncos have. And when he came in, they had Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, and Big Ben in the building. But they still were only 16th in points and 20th in yards. Well, then the year that he came in, they finished. This is just his first year, understand. This is not this last year where they were at one of the top two offensive lines in all of football. First year, they finished seventh in yards, second in points. Now, that, that doesn't have to do all just with the offensive line by any means. But then looking at just the offensive line side of things, uh, they went from 43 sacks, one every 14.6 pass plays, to 33 sacks in that first year. So 10 sack drop off, one every 19.5 pass plays. Uh, this past year alone, 
I mean, th- this just shows how big of a jump that they've continued to go. It's not that they made one jump and then stayed there. This past year, they only allowed one sack every 29 pass plays. That is crazy. That's and really then, good. <laughs> yeah. And then the, the, the Steelers, when Mike Munchak, before he got there, Big Ben, I think he'd played in the league for about 10 years. They had the 31st sack rate in the league. And the five years that he was there, they finished second only behind the Saints. And that was a five-year period. I mean, that, that's total five years. So, again, just showing the consistent growth that they, they were able to show. But even in just talking that first year, just that, that big jump that you were able to see. And, and for the Broncos, it, it's, it's nice that they not only got a, a better quarterback that understands timing, understands pocket presence, all those kind of things, but then to add a coach like that, to add Juwan James, to add Dalton Reisner. So they've added a couple pieces to the offensive line on top of uh, a, a better coach to actually raise them up. So if they're going to be at 12 or better, Mike Munchak's going to be the the center, the core of why that happens, in my opinion. Yeah. No, that's, uh, that's very true. And, I mean – he might have been the Broncos' biggest addition this offseason. You know, Joe Flacco, new coach, new offensive coordinator, defense coordinator, blah, 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 blah. Mike Munchak might be the guy. So we'll see. I mean, it's still pretty amazing that he decided to leave the Steelers and come here after being turned down the head coaching gig. You know, very uh, hashtag blessed in that regard. But <laughs> it's it's going to be huge. And obviously, you know, it's not on him to make bulls good or great or anything like that. But if he can pull something out from that guy and, you know, James is still a guy that has potential, especially you can stay healthy. I mean, good tools, incredible length. There's still potential with Jawan James as well. Not a, not an old guy by any means. And this is his first big contract. So it's, uh, it's exciting to see what he can do, but the thing is it might take time. And that's something that, I mean, obviously <laughs> we're not going to see pay dividends right away. It might take two, three seasons. I mean, you saw with the, the Steelers, they already had a ta- one of the best offensive linemen in football and David DeCastro and some other guys. He developed Villanueva. They brought in Pouncey. He was able to kind of figure out that right tackle position year to year. Left guard didn't matter so much for him, but it, it took time. And that was with already having a guy like Big Ben, who's one of the best at avoiding sacks in the league. That's with having Le'Veon Bell. That's with having Antonio Brown. So, now, I hate to be you know negative Nancy, but that's there's a little bit of concern there with with this offensive line in the 2019 season. Right. I mean, and and like I said, the Steelers had talent, but they weren't living up to their potential before he got there. I mean, they've added pieces since he got there, of course, just like the Broncos just added some pieces this year for him to work with, but they they still had players that that were not living up to their potential. And yet he still was able to take him to another level the next season. So that, that's my one shining light, I guess, of why I think that the Broncos could take a nice little bump this year. Not to a, not to top five offensive line or anything like that, but even a bump to 12 would absolutely be incredible. I, I mean, I, <laughs> Broncos should be doing backflips if they can have the 12th ranked offensive line this year. If they can show both run blocking and pass blocking ability man, that, that, that would be huge. And just seeing this team take the next step to actually competing for, for championships. I mean, you, you look at some of the weaknesses of the, the teams in the division. The, the, the Raiders don't have a great defensive line by any means. The Chiefs have some players, but it, they, 
their defense overall isn't all that great. So if you can get an offensive line that can go and just maul these guys over, that that would be huge. Now the 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 Chargers have a good front seven. So, I mean, they'll be a little bit tougher to get through. But even there, they still struggle against the run on some things. So, again, if you can get these guys going, get them against some of these great pass rushers that are in the AFC West and and be able to shut them down. I mean, it just, again, it just leads to a lot, a lot of success for the Broncos. And so I, I do expect a bump, maybe not to 12th. Yeah, that's that seems fair. And I guess the other question they got to ask is, why will the Broncos fail to meet these expectations of 12th overall? Well, I mean, it, it, it's pretty easy that McGovern continues to struggle at center. Ronald Leary can't stay healthy, or even if he is on the field, continues to struggle going to his zone system, especially because he's more built for a power system. Garrett Bowles doesn't take that leap. Juwan James does okay, but doesn't quite live up to expectations. And Reisner is overwhelmed as a rookie. I mean, it, it's easy to see all of those situations actually playing out and going, Oh my gosh, this was not a good situation. This was not good overall for this team. I mean, I don't think expect all of them to happen, but yet you can see, even if just a couple of them happen, this offensive line could really, really struggle. Yeah. I, like I said earlier, I think the biggest thing is the injuries. Obviously you want to see guys like McGovern and bulls take the next step and James as well, but with weary and James's injury history, and the the lack of known depth on the offensive line. Granted, a lot of teams probably feel the same way about their offensive line, but I really just – we need to see some guys take some steps forward, and maybe somebody will emerge, but it uh, doesn't look good on paper going into preseason. We'll see if things change. But all right, we're going to take one more break here. We will be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All righty, and we were, are back on Building the Broncos podcast. And Carl, I got some questions here for you. We're just going over the offensive line, staying on point today and just some easy preseason predictions. You know, we're not going to hold you to it and bring it up at the end of the season. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we'll see, but uh, offensive line preseason predictions Four easy questions. If you have any others for me, toss them out. I wouldn't, I'm always here for the questions of rapid fire, but the best player in the offensive line next season will be Juwan James. I mean, he's going to have some of the toughest matchups, but he is the most proven player by far, and and I, I've liked what I've seen from him. I mean, Miami was a mess all over their team. Juwan James seemed to be that one player that could be halfway consistent for him. You combine him with the, the, this coaching staff, I just think he's going to have a really breakout year. Maybe not to the level of like a Mitchell Schwartz, but I think he's going to be in that next tier of those right tackle players. All right. I mean, considering what they paid him, he better be good, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's true. He, he's got a lot to lot to live up to, to live up to that kind of contract. But uh, yeah. any, do you have another player that you think is going to be the, the top guy? I think James is probably the best answer. But I, I think Leary also has a chance. It really just comes down to health, right? Like Leary is a stabilizing force. He's the veteran there. He's the guy who knows what he's been doing. He's the one of the longest tenured Broncos on that offensive line there. So it, it could be Leary. And also, you, you don't have, we remember when we went over the all AFC West teams, how bad the interior defensive line was. 
yep. compared to the edge talent. So James is going to have his work cut out for him where Leary will not as much. So that's one that I could see, but I think James is the, the safe bet. Hey, maybe things click with Garrett Bowles. You know, who knows? Maybe Dalton Reisner is a massive hit right away. That typically isn't the case with offensive linemen, but we'll see. I mean, Brian Ramchek could happen too. Yeah, we've seen some others that have hit off right away, but I think James is the one that I would probably go with as well. All right, the most improved offensive lineman. I guess I'm going to go with Connor McGovern here. Okay. I'm I'm hoping that he gets his snap thing under control, and I think an entire offseason of being at the center position can really help him take that that bump. I mean, he played terrible last year. So even getting to average play would be this huge jump in, in what he's showing on the field. And and the Broncos absolutely need him to take that that jump. I mean, losing Paradis, that, that was – I. I'm still a little upset just because of the contract he got. Yeah. It really wasn't that big of a contract considering some of the the talent that he's shown on the field. Now, I understand the injuries and and a lot of concerns with some of that stuff. But when I look at the contract, I'm just sitting there saying, man, I would have been pretty darn close to paying that if I were the Broncos. Just because what they saw with McGovern when he did move to center, it was not great. But I do think that he can take a nice little leap for the Broncos. I think he's going to be one of those guys because we know that he is a hard worker. That is one thing we do know about him. I mean, you look at what he can do in the gym, in the weight room. That, that takes a lot of work. And, and so I do think he's going to put in the hours. He's going to put in the, the time. And, and when those guys meet up with a guy like Munchak, that, that's when you see a huge jump in their ability. Yeah. No, I am uh, I'm with you as well. I'm going to go with kind of an offbeat one here, but I'm going to go with Elijah Wilkinson. Undrafted free agent and a guy that the Broncos probably at some point this year are going to rely on. Young player, and I think they were, he was making strides last year. What's his best position? I'm not exactly sure, but they're going to need a swing tackle interior kind of guy to step up, and I think Wilkinson is a guy that you might not, hopefully won't see him week one because that would mean an injury, unless he absolutely dominates and maybe displaces somebody. But I think that Wilkinson is kind of an off-the-radar one that might be the most improved. All right, the letdown player. I'll take this one first. I think the letdown player, I'm going to go with Connor McGovern on this one just because the snapping the ball is a major concern. And while he is a great run blocker, the pass blocking is something that I haven't seen that take that next step yet. And I've been a Connor McGovern fan. You know, been pulling for him. Obviously, he's good athlete, very strong, great in the run game. But the snapping with the pass blocking concerns has me has me concerned. Um, I, I could see that one. Yeah, and I, I mean, did, I could see him being the most improved player and still being a letdown. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's true. <laughs> that, that's just how how our offensive line could could function this year. I think, and I know I I hate saying this one, but a guy I think that could maybe be a little bit of a letdown is Dalton Reisner, mm. because the, the hype has just been huge for this guy coming in. Yeah, and I think he's eventually going to get there, but when you have other rookies last year playing so well on the offensive line it kind of sets up this year where if these guys can't live up to that kind of hype, then they're a letdown. Yeah. And, and so I could see, especially then having Connor McGovern on his right, Garrett Bowles on his left. He's got the two worst offensive linemen for the Broncos surrounding him. And, and so I just don't think he's going to have it as easy as some of those other rookies that were coming in last year. And so I, I could see him just having a little bit of a not great rookie year. It's very possible. And then your dark horse player. Well, I mean, <laughs> he's my letdown player and he's my dark horse player. Uh, Dalton Reisner. Yeah. I, I think he, because he's a little bit older, he is, 
I mean, he's he came into the league a little bit older. Is he 23? Is that right? Yes. So I might he, be older. Yeah, I think his birthday is today. That's right. Or, so he might be 24 yes. now. Yeah. And but so that little bit today. more. Oh, just being mature in the maturity level. And, and I've seen it just in the way he handles himself. I mean, he and I are friends on Facebook, which is so cool to say. And <laughs> dropper. I know. <laughs> but I mean, the guy just spends his offseason pretty much just going around helping people, training, doing all these things. And, and just so, so he seems to be a guy that has his life in order. And so I could see him coming into the league and being that letdown, or I could see him being that guy that just everybody goes, wow, this was such a good pick for the Broncos that he could come in and just be one of their best offensive line starters. I mean, he, he could finish the year as our best starting offensive lineman. He really could. So, I mean, that, that's why he is really that dark horse that the rookie could be the best. I'm going to go with a very dark horsey one. The darkest horse. Black horse, if you will. John Liglu. Tackle slash potentially guard from Tulane, undrafted free agent. And somebody's, na- somebody's name that just keeps coming up whether it be from sources of the Broncos or Lakewood or Andrew Mason, et cetera, et cetera. John Leglu is a guy who a lot of people are talking up and he could be that guy that steps up that came out of nowhere and ends up being a Munchak, you know, diamond in the rough find. So that's a name to keep, keep on the lookout for number 73. He's a big boy, six, seven. So he might be limited to tackle, but watch for him because there's, there's a fair amount of smoke and you know what they say when there's smoke, there's fire. So, all right. Well, that's going to wrap up the offensive line. Unless you had anything you want to talk about before we wrap it up, Carl? Well, I wanted to to pose a question because this is one of those okay. that could go either way kind of thing. Who's the offensive lineman the Bronco fans are talking about the most this year? It's still going to be Garrett Bowles, I think. Okay. I think that people love to complain. And we have a 24-hour news cycle where I don't think this Broncos team is going to be great this year. I think they're going to be better, but I don't think they're going to be great. And people are going to be looking to complain. And when you got that target on your back, like Bulls does, uh, and the first-round status as well, people are going to be vocal about it. So I think Garrett Bulls is the one for that answer. Okay. What about you? I, I think it's going to be Dalton Reisner. Yeah, the hometown I mean, story in the Brooklyn. Right. I mean, he's the shiny new toy that comes from – yeah, right there outside of Denver. So it's hard that he's it, – it'd be hard to think that he's not going to be the talk of the town. I mean, Philip Lindsay last year, yes, True. he had a great season, but it, it also helps that he is a hometown hero too. He's also so, a skill position. Right, that that does help too. <laughs> but, I mean, when we're talking offensive line, I, I think really any position is going to be – I mean, they're not going to get talked about like a Philip Lindsay, no. but they're still going to have some times of getting talked about. So I, I could see Dalton Reisner really getting a lot of talk – uh, especially here in training camp, because he is one of those guys. It sounds like players have had to tell him, like, tone it down a little. <laughs> I'm about that. Yeah. And and so uh, that that's that could be something that gets fans excited, seeing him just blow somebody up and and all the media guys going, man, keep an eye on this kid. So it, that, that's the other side of it, of hopefully the, the good with the offensive line, that they're getting some talk. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, that's going to wrap up today's episode of Building the Broncos, powered by Overtime Media. You can find Carl on Twitter, at Carl Dummler MHH, and myself, at Nick Kendall MHH. Also, make sure you head on over to Mile High Huddle, an affiliate of 24-7 Sports and CBS Sports Digital, to find more content covering the Denver Broncos. Head on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and a comment, as your support can help us continue to bring you our Denver Bronco deep dives. You can follow the Building the Broncos podcast 
and all our other great audio content by subscribing to the Huddle Up podcast wherever you listen to your shows. You can follow us on Twitter at Mile High Huddle and at BTB Football Pod. For Carl, I'm Nick wrapping up another episode of the Building the Broncos podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you all soon. Go Broncos. You've been listening to Building the Broncos. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.